We have uh, been in a study for a long time of the book of Hebrews. My uh, title for the study of the book of Hebrews is Privilege and Perseverance. Because the book of Hebrews sort of alternates between those two themes. The theme of what a privilege it is to know the goodness of God in the Lord Jesus. And that being such a great privilege, it is a trust in which we must persevere. To continue to rest ourselves in the provision of God Almighty through His eternal Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And you might think, why would you need to even say such a thing? Because of course, to know the grace of God in Christ is the best possible thing anyone could know. So who could conceive of abandoning such a trust? In fact, that's kind of the attitude of the writer of the book of Hebrews. But you might still ask the question, why does he need to say it? Well, you probably understand why he needs to say it. And it's not an entirely logical argument. It's personal, isn't it? Because you have experienced life in this world, and you, as someone who trusts yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ for your eternal destiny, for the promise of His resurrection experienced by you in the end, for the promise of free access to the throne of grace every day of your life from now to the end of your life, and then, of course, you just graduate to the immediate access of the throne of grace. Even though you know these things, and you have trusted yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ, you have, I'm sure, experienced times in your life where this or that difficulty has caused you or led you to wonder whether that was a good idea. I know, it's really really dumb. Nevertheless, I have this experience. I think probably you have as well. And sometimes this, in the case of the Hebrews, this took the form of a threat. The government the rulers of the day 
looked like they were about to make life truly difficult for people who claimed the name of Jesus. Well, then there's kind of a direct confrontation. You might start to wonder how badly do I really want to claim the name of Jesus if it's going to cost me my job. Or my freedom. I think I probably shared this with you. I spent a few weeks in Bangladesh many years ago. Bangladesh is an, is, uh, an Islamic nation that has officially a freedom of religion. And I was there on a short-term mission project to support men who had come to Christ and now were developing to be pastors in a church in Bangladesh where the concept of a church was kind of hard to grasp. These men had converted from Islam. In Islamic culture, that is unacceptable. I remember I gave a talk <laughs> about deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. We were talking about discipleship commitments. Take up your cross was the thing I was talking about. This is about embracing whatever suffering might be involved in your participation in the mission of Christ, in the agenda of Christ the redemptive agenda of Christ. Now, immediately following my talk about that, <clears throat> there was a time of sharing among these pastors in this little retreat. And they were just sharing some of their experiences in proclaiming the name of Jesus in a at least moderately hostile environment. Oh, well, it turns out it's not that moderately hostile. Because they, nearly all of them, had at one time or another been beaten, physically beaten, for their proclamation of the gospel. One of them had come home one day from work and found his house gone, literally torn down to the foundation. And I thought, <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about, but they do. And in the book of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews is considering how to minister to these Christians under that sort of persecution, that sort of threat of persecution, where some of them are thinking, hmm, Maybe I should ease up on this Jesus thing. Now, the writer of the book of Hebrews, well, he doesn't mess around. He's, he does say, how, I don't understand how you can even think of that. If you understand the privilege of knowing Christ, he says it like this in chapter 2, 
Jesus, the eternal Son of God made flesh, is not ashamed to call us brother. (laughs) If you understand the privilege of knowing Christ, you will persevere in faith. And so he raises the privilege and challenges the perseverance. He raises the privilege and challenges for perseverance. Goes through this sort of a cycle. Well, we came then to chapter 12. We're nearing the end of our study. And we have this at the beginning. Since we have so great a cloud of witnesses, the... the uh, God himself testifying, the Spirit testifying, the Old Testament saints testifying. Let us lay aside every encumbrance with the sin which so easily entangles us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. What's the race? The race is to persevere in faith. To persevere in faith. Looking to Jesus, he says living every day, all day, day after day in the assurance of our place in Christ. That's the race. That's the challenge. Stick with Christ. Stick with Christ. Well, and then following that text, he goes into this section about the discipline of God. And he's teaching us to understand hardship in our life as a developmental process, as the disciplining hand of the Father, a Father who loves us. And so he tells us in that section, he told us that the discipline of God is always for our real benefit so that we would share in His holiness. In other words, the discipline of God causes us to be more and more in the hand of God. That's its purpose. To set us apart to God, for God, exclusively His. To belong to God. The idea of holiness is the idea of God taking a hold of someone for Himself. And so if I talk about you being holy, I'm talking about you really belonging to God. And this, of course, we belong to God in Christ, the very Son of God. And so in our union with the Son of God, who is the second person of God, the Trinity, we belong to God. We are reconciled to God. And then he says that uh, the discipline of the Father, it can be unpleasant when it's happening, but then it always, always pays. What does it pay? It pays this thing they, that the writer calls the peaceable fruit of righteousness. The very righteousness of Christ imputed to you and then realized in your life The reconciling, the peaceable, that's what that word means. The peacemaking fruit of his righteousness is developed in us. 
through these things that we call suffering. He's pointing out to the, the Hebrew Christians that these things they are shying away from are actually producing real benefits for them. And of course, this is in the Scripture for us also. Now, all of us face different challenges in life. No two people face the same set of challenges. But whatever that challenge is that might make you wonder, is this whole Jesus thing really true? Uh, then whatever that challenge is actually has a purpose, and that is for you to cling harder to Christ. That's why the constant admonition of the book of Hebrews is two things, draw near and hold fast. Come on in, get a hold of Jesus, and do not let go. Trust in Him. And of course, we trust in Him knowing that He has a hold of us, and He is not letting go. The third thing that <clears throat> we receive from God's discipline is actual life. Real life in fellowship with the Father. Fellowship with the Father in the Son by the Spirit. All of this is developed as we trust Him through the difficulties of this life. Okay, so now we're coming to today's text in verse 12 of Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, he says, on the basis of that, on the basis of that understanding of God's positive activity through the negative things, on the basis of understanding that God's doing something good even through the bad things, because you get that, then there are four things. Four things we could say to do in response. First of all, we're going to strengthen weak hands and feeble knees. Then we're going to make straight paths for your feet. Then we're going to pursue peace and holiness. And then we're going to see to it a few things. We're going to see to some things. This is literally the word for watch over. <laughs> like, look out for these. Keep an eye on this. Take care for these things. Now, the interesting thing about all of this is all four of these things are things we do in relation to one another. Now, the first one might be difficult to see this because it says, therefore, strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble. And I might take this because I'm from 20th century America. I might take this individually. I might say to myself, so buck up, you, each of you. <laughs> buck up. Be strong. 
That's not what this actually says. The reason we read that text from Isaiah chapter 35 this morning is because in Isaiah chapter 35, we find out where this expression in Hebrews comes from. Strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble. And did you hear what it said? Take care. Well, let's just look at it again. I've got it right here somewhere, yeah. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Hebrews is quoting that text. Then he says, say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong. Fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. And the recompense of God, he will come and save you. And then that great text about the, the, how it all works out for God's people in the end. So what's the point of Isaiah 35? Is it for each of you to encourage yourself? No. It is say to those who are anxious, say to the worry, the worried one, say to the worried one, remember where God has you headed. Remember what God has done in Christ that leads you to, these, to that place where sorrow and mourning shall flee away. And so the Hebrew readers of this letter to the Hebrews would have understood this connection. And they would have understood strength in the weak hands and the feeble knees to be something they do for each other. This is a commandment to come alongside people in the church who are discouraged. To support each other people who are discouraged by difficult circumstances. You know, this might require us to know each other, to know uh, somebody's experiencing some difficult, maybe somebody has a problem at their job or somebody's sick or somebody's loved one is sick or somebody just has a struggle because of the mental health issue or because of any kind of problem. Maybe there's people who are having problems in their marital relationships or with their children or any number of things that might cause them to grow discouraged in their fellowship with God. They might be looking at God saying, why are you letting this happen to me? Do you know anyone who is discouraged? And so strengthen the weak hands. The, the runners who aren't running that hard, go put your shoulder under theirs. That's what this is about. The feeble, the people who are stumbling for whatever reason, you support the other. This strengthening, of course, is not in your own strength, because what we're talking about is running the race with our eyes fixed on Him. What we're talking about is running the race of continuing to rest in Christ. And so, I don't strengthen somebody just by saying, be strong. 
I strengthen somebody by reminding them of the promise of God. That's Isaiah 35. By relying on the promise myself in a way they can see. And this isn't a great exercise of denial. It's a great exercise of finding the rock beneath our feet in times of difficulty. Real difficulty. Strengthen the weak hands. So the first thing we do is support. Support. That means we need the loving fellowship of the body of Christ. And we need the fellowship of the body of Christ to be loving. We need the body of Christ to be a body, a family, not a company we work for. The second thing, make straight paths for your feet. This also is a quote from the Old Testament, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 25. Make straight paths for your feet. The idea here is to set a heading. (laughs) To set a heading. Well, we've already figured out what the heading is, right? Run the race with endurance, fixing our eyes on Jesus. The, The initiator and the finisher of our faith. So we just focus, focus, focus. That's really what makes straight paths for your feet is. It's about keeping focus. And the focus is Christ. The focus is Christ. In Him, all things belong to us. This is the explicit statement of the Word of God. In Christ, in our union with Christ, we will inherit all things. And so we endure now. Oh, wow, thank you. I must sound like I need this. I wish I could tell you it's going to make an improvement, but I don't know. Thank you. Make straight paths for your feet. So first, we support one another. Second, we maintain our focus. That's a thing we do together. That's why we have church on Sunday, honestly. That's why the Scripture defines worship as, first of all, remembering the mercy of God. (laughs) Considering God's great mercy, we present ourselves, and that is our spiritual service of worship. And there's a reason he gives here. What is the reason? So that the lame will not be set aside. So that the person who's struggling won't lose it. But be healed, restored. This is about paying attention to how everyone's doing. And this isn't about monitoring each other's sins. This is about, is your attention fixed on Christ? And can I help you to, can I distract you from this trouble that has your, 
mind so occupied and your heart so discouraged and turn your vision back to the absolutely amazing promise of God in the Lord Jesus Christ so that you can put one foot in front of the other one more time. So we strengthen the weak hands and the feeble knees. We focus. We make straight paths for our feet. We understand that the, the object of our faith and our affections is the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. We do this by the power of the Spirit who operates in each of us and among us. The third thing is we pursue peace with all men and holiness. Peace and holiness. This reminded me of draw near and hold fast. It's about relying on and playing out what has been accomplished by Christ and what He will complete. We pursue peace. That's reconciliation. That's restored fellowship with everyone. Everyone. We want to have open, loving relationships with everyone and especially among ourselves, but also extending into the world. We need to pursue this. We we chase after open fellowship, fellowship, fellowship. And by the way, holiness is that same thing only relative to God. We want to live in the reconciliation that Christ has purchased at the great price of his own life. This is reliance on the work of Christ. That's how we pursue holiness. This isn't about trying harder to do right, though that will follow. This is about living in what the right that Christ has done. And honestly, this idea of pursuing peace with man and holiness, these things are one thing. I mean, they go together. It's one pursuit. Peace with all men. This is about belonging. This is about belonging. To, be, to pursue holiness is to belong to God, to recognize the righteous claim of God upon you. To say, I am his. Oh, and I'm yours. Because I'm his. Holiness, peace with all men. They, you can't really have one without the other. Because I'm his, I can be yours. Because he's taking care of me, I can take care of you. It's that kind of practical, simple thing. And so we want to develop in the body of Christ the idea of we belong. We belong to Him. And so we belong to one another in Him. So we support one another. We help one another to maintain focus. And we belong. And then the last thing is see to it. Take care that no one comes short of the grace of God.
that no one misses out. You see, this is the concern of the writer of the book of Hebrews. He heard this talk about people leaving the body of Christ because of persecution. He can't figure that out. He thinks maybe they're not actually, maybe they're Christians without Christ. Maybe they don't actually know the privilege. Maybe they're in the church, but they don't understand the gospel. So he says, look around, folks, and make sure everyone gets it. What is it they are to get? The grace of God. Not how good people ought to behave. Everyone knows all about that, really. I mean, that is the follow-up. The thing you don't want to miss out on is God's grace. See that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Look around, because sometimes when people get discouraged, they also get bitter. And then this thing, this cycle of resentment can develop like a cancer in the loving fellowship of the church. Pay attention, he says. Try not to let that happen. How do you try not to let that happen? Well, you focus on the amazing gift it is to know Christ. All of this flows from let us run with endurance, the race set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. All of this flows from draw near and hold fast. All of this flows from because of the sacrifice of Christ, we have free access to the throne of grace at all times. I can come to God and complain about any dumb thing I have on my mind. And he's happy to listen. And he's always assuring me of my place before the throne of grace. I go there and Jesus says, yeah, it's all right. He's with me. Jesus says, my brother about me. (laughs) And he says, see to it that there's no one like Esau which he calls immoral and godless. Now, I'm going to have to cut this short, but you know the story of Esau. What did Esau do? He gave away his birthright for a good meal. The problem with Esau was he was distracted by things offered in the world from things eternal. He gave up the eternal for the temporal. Watch out for each other. Watch out for each other. If I, if I see someone who looks like they're, they're caught up in the things of this life at the expense of the things of eternal life, I should maybe say something. I should look after them, take care of them. They're making a horrible trade. And if I love them, I'll try to interrupt. Esau took it so far, he said, 
here in the book of Hebrews, it says that there, he found no place for repentance. That at the end, he really regretted what he'd done. And this reminded me of Hebrews 6, where the writer of Hebrews says, you know, if somebody lets go of Christ, if somebody hears the gospel, if somebody participates in the life of the church, if somebody understands the gospel and then rejects it, there's, they're lost. There's no path of repentance except through Christ. So if you give up Christ, you're, you're done. See to it. See to it. So there's four things here. There's support. Let us support one another. Let us focus. Let us help each other to remain focused on the prize of Christ. And let us belong to God and to each other. And let us take care. Watching out for each other to avoid these hazards and pitfalls. You see, when life gets difficult, many of us, maybe all of us, sometimes have an impulse to isolate ourselves. That is not healthy. The Christian life is not an isolated life. The Christian life is a life lived together in the body, in the fellowship, in the love of Christ we share. Now that calls us to be a certain kind of church. I think of it, I use these terms, I want us to be an organic church, not an organizational church. A body, not a business. We don't have to, you know, get too worked up about all our programs. We'll have some. What we really need to be worked up about is these things. How do we support one another? How do we help each other remain focused? How do we belong, really belong to each other? And how do we watch out for each other? Now, we might develop some programs to help with those things, but the programs aren't the things. We flourish, human beings, in fellowship. We flourish because we experience the reconciled fellowship with the Almighty God, which is being alive, and we share that life with others. We flourish in fellowship. We run together the race that's set before us. We in the modern world, we have a tendency to take everything we read in the Bible and say it's about me. Us. Not me. Obviously, I have a place in it. But it's about us. It's about fellowship. We run together. So we stick together to stick to Christ. We stick together to stick to Christ. Father, we thank you. <laughs> Lord, it just seems like not enough to say thank you.
what an amazing thing you've given us in your grace, in your goodness, in this healing fellowship that we have with you because of what Christ has done. In the credit you give us for his life because of what he's done. Lord, help us. We pray for the filling of the Holy Spirit, Lord. We pray that each of us would look out for the others. That we would strengthen the weak hands and the feeble knees. That we would make straight paths for our feet. That we would pursue peace with one another and holiness with you. And that we would look out to make sure nobody misses out on this amazing grace. Thank you, Father, for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen.